This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are about to listen to a special free preview of this month's edition of the Top Rope Nation Classics Bonus Podcast, a show we do exclusively for our Patreon supporters each and every month. If you enjoy what you hear, click the link in the podcast description to visit our Patreon page and start enjoying exclusive content. We've been producing the show each and every week for the past five years, and Patreon is the best way to support the show and help us take it to the next level. For your pledge of just a couple of dollars of support each month, you gain access to all of our Top Rope Nation Classics bonus podcasts, including this one, as well as all the past editions currently available in the archives the minute you sign up. Plus, a free gift when you join, monthly members-only Zoom hangouts with myself, Justin, and Kyle, a book club with the opportunity to have question and answer sessions with well-known authors, an ads-free early release version of the weekly show, free merchandise, and a lot more. Once again, click the link in the podcast description to read more about all of the tiers and benefits. We would be honored to have your support. Enjoy this special free preview of this month's exclusive bonus show, and we hope to see you over on Patreon. We are back with the 17th edition of Top Rope Nation Classics presented by the patrons of this very podcast. Those of you that make this all possible, this is Ryan Drosty here with Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. We are venturing back in time to April of 1997 tonight to relive one of the great episodes of Monday Night Raw. In fact, at the time that this aired, it may have been the very best episode of Monday Night Raw. We're going to get into all of that, um, but to set the stage for, like I said, the 17th edition of Top Rope Nation Classics tonight here on Patreon, I wanted to talk about the state of our fandom in April of 97, as we often do. And Mr. Justin Joint, welcome back to Top Rope Nation Classics, by the way, sir. What was the state of your wrestling fandom as this show aired on April 21st, 97? Well, um, I'd had my driver's license for about six months at this point. So it, it was a lot of going out and seeing friends and chasing girls. Uh, but I was definitely into it, you know, between uh, my love of Bret Hart and, uh, you know, everything that was going on with the NWO and the Sting stuff. Um, it, yeah, it, it was must watch television every Monday. And Kyle Ross. What about you, sir? I, I imagine you weren't missing much Monday Night Wrestling in April of 97. No, big pro wrestling <laughs> fan in April of 1997. Uh, like Justin, 
I believe I was 16 years old at the time, recently got the old driver's license. I was a junior in high school at this point, just about to complete that year. Uh, And I've talked about this. I think we did it with our monthly hangout last time, as a matter of fact. But in 1996, I really became a WCW guy for the first time in my fandom, uh, especially as the year wore on with the NWO angle gaining strength. But here in April 97, my hand was very much on the remote at all times. Uh, do not ask about the other hand, please. Uh, but <laughs> um, uh, my interest in WWF really kicked back up, as Justin kind of alluded to, with Brett turning heel, them going with Austin, and the show in general, and not just the show, but the promotion as a whole, just feeling very different than mm-hmm. it had six months earlier. So, yeah. Love pro wrestling, love both WCW and WWF, and uh, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. They had just debuted the Titantron not too long before this. Yeah, made it Raw as War, got the two-hour show. So, yeah, I mean, WWF was changing a lot, and we were kind of transitioning that Attitude Era for sure. People, they define when the start of the Attitude Era is differently, but I think we're kind of getting into it by this point, at least a little bit. Uh, I was 13 years old. When this aired in junior high school, I guess it would have been in like seventh grade at the time. I was always uh, growing up WWF first and foremost. I would say, though, that when the NWO started the previous summer, I started to kind of lean WCW a little. Plus, because Bret Hart, you know, was my favorite wrestler uh, and he was gone. So I didn't have him to watch on, on Monday nights. I liked Sean. I liked seeing him have that first title run. And of course, the rise of Austin in the summer of 96 when he started, you know, the Austin 316 thing and everything. But I would say from July up until Brett returning in the fall, I was probably paying a little bit more attention to WCW. But then when Brett came back, it's all about the WWF and, of course, really plugged into uh, his character shift here at this point. And, uh, you know, the, the heel turn going into WrestleMania 13. The Hart Foundation now, as we get into on this show, the Hart Foundation was now a thing. It was now a stable. It was growing, as we'll get into in this show as well. So I loved it at the time. I love it just as much, if not even more now, looking back. I had so much fun rewatching this Raw. I've always thought in the back of my head I wanted to go back and rewatch all the 1997 Raws. I've said on, on the show before that it's my favorite year of wrestling, WWF and WCW of all time. Plus, ECW was arriving on the national stage that yes. year, too, with their first pay-per-view. So, 97 is, like, really, really tough to beat. And when I watch this, plus it's such an easy watch, you know, about an hour and a half uh, on Peacock. Not the network anymore, but Peacock. Luckily, they got this on there so we could watch it. Such an easy watch. It's like, man, I just kind of want to turn on one every single night if I can right before bed now. I mean, this is a this is a great time in wrestling, and yeah. I'm looking forward to this. You know. And getting back to where I was in life, not just wrestling, like Justin, I'm driving, I'm going out. A big part, and this is something I talked about that Zoom hangout we did with some of our patrons, so I apologize for repeating this, but just if a few others get to hear it, I I think that might be worthwhile. The Nitro replays, especially that summer of 96, right after Hogan were so instrumental in kind of me becoming a W, more of a WCW fan in that period because... I'd go out, I'd get home, I'd watch the Nitro replay. Um, you know, I, I remember missing, you know, you talk about the fall of 96, Ryan. I remember missing some Raws then. I think I might have started working and, like, had a shift on Monday or something like that. And I, and I like, the whole 
you know, Triple H, Mark Marrow intercontinental title change period. I remember like just missing that and feeling like I didn't miss much. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, once Brett turned heel, the promo where he curses, the night after WrestleMania 13 may be the finest promo in the history of this business. Yes. And when then he turns on America. Yeah. And, and yeah. when he reunites the Hart Foundation, man, you talk about 97 versus the other years. 96 WCW was clearly ahead. 98 WWF clearly pulled away. While WCW won every week in 97, in retrospect, it felt more competitive as a viewer. Mm -hmm. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Stage has been set. Let's go back in time. It's Monday night, April 21st, 1997. As Kyle said, we're in Binghamton, New York. Uh, not the biggest venue, but like we said, WWE, WWF, not WWE, in this WWE in this era is kind of transitioning. Uh, and by the end of the year, you know, going into 1998, they're going to be starting to run those uh, those full size arenas again by the next year. But they're definitely in like the mid level arenas throughout most of '97. Uh, but it's a super hot crowd. You know, the people are there heavily invested and they're about to see, like I said at the top of the show, I mean, this is, I think, still one of the great Monday Night Raws of all time. And to open it off, we get none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon out there in the ring. You know, the feud that is going to take the next year, this company to the next level. And here you're getting kind of like a taste of it. Now, looking back at it, knowing what happens afterwards, this is kind of kind of interesting to watch, Kyle. Um what did you make of this opening segment? Yeah, it's, again, knowing what goes down and, you know, their interactions for the last, you know, 20 plus years. It's very weird hearing Vince McMahon introduce Stone Cold in a positive way, right? Like, because at this point, Vince is just mm -hmm. announcer. He's like, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, he's like, yeah, like, I'm so happy to see this guy. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> that you don't really ever see that ever again after 1997. Yeah, I just I thought it was strange to have a opening segment that didn't go 15 to 20 minutes to <laughs> set up a match for two hours later. Yeah, they, they actually get a lot done, too. You talk about efficiency. Yes. They not only set up the main event for this show, but they announced the main event for the next pay-per-view cold day in hell where Austin's going to challenge Undertaker. Mm hmm. So that was uh, yeah. So they announced that Austin's going to get the shot at the Undertaker, which 
I guess technically he beat Brett the night before. You know, it was by DQ, but he doesn't get like a solid victory over Brett. But still, it was enough evidently to get him the championship match. Um, later on, Brett wonders why Austin's the number one contender. Um, but Austin talks about the match the night before it in your house, Revenge of the Taker, and talks about how he had Brett beat until Owen the Bulldog came out. As we mentioned, they they broke up the sharpshooter that Austin had applied to Brett. After that, in that match at In Your House, Bulldog hit uh, Brett with a chair. Basically, what's going on behind the scenes is they're setting up Brett to go off to have surgery for real. Uh, Brett would have, uh, I think, a scope done on his knee, if I remember right. Um, And he also had a broken right wrist that he had been working on for years that uh, he was about to have surgery on to repair. So he's gonna he's got these two nagging injuries. And so this kind of show-long story that we're going to get between him and Austin is to set up Brett going off for a few weeks. And they're hoping he'll be back by King of the Ring in June, um, heading into this Raw. That's that's the general outlook, is like maybe in seven weeks' time or whatever that would be, he would be back. Um, spoiler, he would not be back by King of the Ring. <laughs> no, and, and Ryan Drosty's one pay-per-view a year <laughs> order was ruined forever. <laughs> Told that story many times on the pod. My Yes, real quick, my parents, if you haven't heard me tell the story, my parents would give me one pay-per-view a year, was, I think it was like an Easter thing. And the minute they announced Brett and Sean for King of the Ring, I told my dad, that's the pay-per-view I want. We went and ran to the cable box, and then they canceled the damn match. Still got the pay-per-view, though. <laughs> do, do, do. Hey, at least you got Undertaker for Rook. Brett and, or, uh, Sean and Austin was a pretty good yeah, match. Yeah, it was. I did it like was, that. It was real good. Um, Getting back to the Brett injury, apparently he had re-aggravated it on the tour of South Africa and Kuwait they had just completed. And he agreed to still work the match the night before at Revenge Taker when, you know, maybe in 2021 that doesn't happen. That's true. It, it kind of sounded like, you know, mm-hmm. the way it read in the Observer where Meltzer was talking about the injury, man, you, you read it now and they're like, yeah, they're probably pulling him. But back then, you know, missing a pay-per-view main event, just no. I mean, unless if you were like, you know, had like limbs falling off, you, you were getting in that ring and you were working that match. Yeah. So, in the match at, at uh, Revenge of the Taker, then, um, after the match, also won by DQ, after the match, Brett tried to hit him with a ring bell. Uh, Austin blocked it, hit Brett instead. Austin hits Brett with a chair, puts the sharpshooter on until the officials pulled him off. Dave gave that in-your-house match three and three quarters. That's Dave Meltzer, three and three quarters stars in the it's wrestling fair rating. Observer. Yes. And so, of course, the month before at WrestleMania, five stars for their greatest match in WrestleMania history. So... Austin says then in this promo with Vince that he wants Brett in a street fight, which is kind of weird because as Raw opened, you have the King and JR ringside, and they announce that it is going to be a street fight (laughs) with Austin and Brett tonight on Raw, but then he makes the challenge during this segment, which was a little odd. Um, So they put this countdown timer up on, as I mentioned, the brand new Titan Tron. It ticks down to zero. Brett doesn't come out, but then as a couple seconds later, he appears in the tight Tronny's backstage with Owen and Davey. As we mentioned, he started up the Heart Foundation again in the weeks prior. Bashes the American fans, talks about how they like blood and guts. They have no family values. He has no idea how Steve Austin's getting this title shot. Calls Steve Austin his signature insult for 1997, a dirty, low-down hyena. He always <laughs> used that. I loved it. I noted that. I'm like, I love how Brett always called Austin a hyena. He was very consistent with that. I 
on the golf course. I knew damn well you didn't have the guts to show up, so I'll come back there and get ya. What? What? Hey, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you American scum. I accept. I accept any match with you, because you know what? You are nothing but a dirty, stinking, low-down hyena. And I learned one thing, that my family is too good for the American public. The American wrestling fans, you know what? You're all just a pack of wild hyenas, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because all you care about is blood. You got no ethics, you got no morals, you got no family values, you don't care about family. Now, Stone Cold Steve Austin, last night, whipped so, <laughs> Yeah, I said, boy, Brett, love using that one as an insult. Uh, Austin says he's going to the back to find Brett, and they go to commercial. So, I mean, solid, solid opening opening segment. Uh, Justin, do you have anything to add here? I want to make sure I get your opinion. Oh, no, I'm good, man. I'll jump in. Okay. I just wanted to say one thing about the DQ and Austin getting the shot. I kind of like that, like how matches have consequences. Like, well, all right, well, he didn't pin him. Mm. You know, but that's like something that you debate with the book. Oh, I didn't get a good, clean win. I don't know if he's strong enough going to the pay-per-view. But in the kayfabe sense, he won the match. Yeah. And if that's what they were using to determine the number one contender, then he goes on. And it's cool because it makes Brett pissy about it. Yeah. So I kind of like that. It does kind of suck, you know, looking back that Austin never got that big win over Brett, like the big legitimate win, which at this time or by the summer, at least like Mania 14, they were looking ahead to being yes. Brett putting over Austin. And obviously <laughs> that doesn't happen, but that, that was in the long-term goal and we never got that. Yeah. What happened to Brett before WrestleMania 14? I don't know, some 